Yo, what's good, everybody? You back on the last word. My name's Zoe, and today I'm going to be talking to you about my top five takeaways from the first two weeks in the NFL, and then I'm going to be bringing you my top five teams so far through two weeks in the NFL. So let's jump straight into it, man. My first takeaway is that it's not Pat Mahomes, it's not Lamar Jackson, it's not Drew Brees, but Russell Wilson is the best, I repeat, the best quarterback in the National Football League. And in my opinion, it's really not that close. Hear me out. Russell Wilson so far this year is fifth in yards, first in touchdowns with nine, and second in QBR with 87.4. Russell Wilson also leads the league easily with 83% completion. Hear me out. Russell Wilson on the season, has 11 incompletions. 11 incompletions in over 80 pass attempts and has nine touchdowns. He almost has as many touchdowns as incompletions. Check this out. With no real wide receiver, the best wide receiver Russell Wilson has had before this season is Doug Baldwin, who was an undrafted free agent and only 5'10". Last year, Russell Wilson threw for over 4,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, 5 INTs. In 2018, he threw for 3,500 yards, 35 touchdowns, 7 INTs. Since being drafted in 2012, Russell Wilson has only had three seasons where he's thrown double-digit interceptions, never more than 11, never more than 11. Since 2014, Russell Wilson has only had one season in which he threw under 30 touchdowns. Think about that for a second. In six years, Russell Wilson has only had one season where he didn't throw 30-plus touchdowns. and his entire career, he's never thrown more than 11 interceptions. That's really kind of crazy when you think about it. Russell Wilson is so good that we just get bored of it. We just expect it out of him. He's an MVP caliber quarterback every single season, regardless of who's on his roster. Like I said, he's never had a top tier wide receiver, and he just does it repeatedly every season. Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL, and that's my first takeaway from this Sunday. My second takeaway for the first two weeks of this season is that the Dallas Cowboys are the luckiest team in the NFL. And no, I don't say that because of their comeback on the Falcons. I actually thought that was a pretty impressive comeback. They struggled early at the beginning, controlling the ball, but really they outplayed the Falcons for majority of the game after that, especially the second half. Dallas has a high-powered offense with Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper, and the addition of C.D. Lamb. And the Atlanta Falcons' defense is pretty terrible, and come on, they're known for giving up leads. Now, I know the play at the end seemed a little crazy, but really when you think about it, Hans team's players are trained that the ball has to go 10 yards. Now, while the receiving team can jump on it before that, the ball didn't look like it was going to go 10 yards. So why risk jumping on it, muffing it, and then letting it be a live ball for the Cowboys? At the end, it took kind of a crazy turn and then went just barely over 10 yards. It was really a good kick, credit Greg Zerloin. And then... Dallas got in field goal position and won the game. They outplayed the Atlanta Falcons as they should. They are the better team. The game shouldn't have really been that close anyway. Now, why do I say the Cowboys are the luckiest team in the NFL? It's because they play in the worst division in the NFL. The Washington football team is terrible. 
The New York Giants are terrible and lost their best player, Saquon Barkley, for the entire season. The only competition they have in the division are the Philadelphia Eagles, who really don't have any talent at all. And now people are starting to see that when Carson Wentz doesn't play Superman and put up crazy statistical seasons, that the Philadelphia Eagles are a below-average football team. Dallas Dallas has the talent, but right now lacks the discipline and the continuity to play great each and every Sunday. So Dallas is so lucky because they have the opportunity to find themselves knowing that they're going to make the playoffs because they're going to win their division. Who else is going to win it? Carson Wentz is back there running for his life every Sunday, and he's not playing great. The Washington football team just wants to not get embarrassed every week, and the New York and Giants are virtually irrelevant. The Cowboys get to tinker with their offense, figure out how they're going to involve CeeDee Lamb while keeping Amari Cooper happy. They get to play with this dynamic of Zeke's our best player, but let's see what Dak can do, see if we're going to extend his contract, and shaping up the defense that is consistently inconsistent, to say the least. The Cowboys are the luckiest team in the NFL, and that's my second takeaway from the first two weeks. My third takeaway from the season is that everyone owes Cam Newton a huge apology. So after Cam got injured and the Panthers didn't want him anymore, for whatever reason, everyone decided that Cam was finished, that Cam just wasn't a good quarterback anymore and couldn't even make a roster. That's until Bill Belichick gave him a call and signed him to the veteran minimum. The veteran minimum. This is a guy who won MVP and was voted by his peers as the best player in football not that long ago. Not only does he have to get signed for the veteran minimum, Bill Belichick had the audacity to say he had to compete with whatever the fuck his name was for the starting QB spot. Yes, I know his name, but it doesn't matter. Cam Newton shouldn't have to compete with anyone to be a starting QB on most NFL teams. So what did Cam do? He didn't sulk. He didn't get angry. He bought in to a system that people said he couldn't play in. People said the Patriot system is we before me and that Cam Newton is a flashy player that only cares about himself. Cam Newton has come into that locker room, has bought in, has followed the Patriot way, and has really energized the locker room and really made the Patriots an enjoyable football team to watch. I mean, people around the country are actually cheering for the Patriots. I don't know when's the last time you can say that outside of diehard Boston fans. Now, in two games, playing for the veteran minimum, coming off of injury, Cam Newton has rushed 26 times for 118 yards and four TDs. This is someone coming off of injury, putting his body on the line to try to make his team win. Also, people say that Cam Newton isn't an elite passer and can only use his body to make plays. Well, Cam Newton is 7th in the league in completion percentage and has 552 passing yards on the season. People were saying that Cam Newton isn't going to hold up throughout the season because after playing the Dolphins, he only had 19 dropbacks and had to consistently rush to get touchdowns. But in a shootout with the Seahawks, he threw the ball 44 times for 397 yards, third most in his career. Cam Newton has proved that not only is he coachable and can lead a franchise, he's really made a team that a lot of people said had no weapons look pretty impressive over the first two weeks. 
With a defense where a lot of players opted out and an offense that's limited with players like Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, which a lot of people said was virtually nothing for Tom Brady to work with, he's really elevated these players, put belief and confidence in them, and they've had pretty great seasons to start off. Cam Newton deserves an apology from everybody because he's still an elite caliber quarterback, and if the Patriots end up winning 12-13 games, He could even be in MVP conversations. My fourth takeaway from the NFL season so far is that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are the most dangerous two-man tandem in the NFL. Kyler Murray, only in his second year, is completing 66% of his passes and can get it done on the ground as well. He has 4-3 speed and Lamar Jackson-like elusiveness. He's rushed for 158 yards and three touchdowns, adding four more through the air. And not only that, he has one of the best, in my opinion, the best wide receiver in the league in DeAndre Hopkins on the outside. DeAndre Hopkins is first in the league in receptions with 22 and fifth in yards with 219. So you can see the chemistry between these two is already there and it's only going to improve throughout the season. Not only that, but they have a defense that's starting to round into form and is setting them up with great field position each each time so they have an advantage on their opponents. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray are a force to be reckoned with in the NFC and that's my fourth takeaway from this year's season so far. My final takeaway from the season so far is that Aaron Rodgers is pissed off. Now that's a bad man to piss off. So far this season, he's thrown for 604 yards, six touchdowns, which is second in the league, zero interceptions, which is first in the league, and a 91 QBR, which is by far first in the league. Aaron Rodgers is also leading the Packers to 42.5 points per game, which is first in the league, and leading the league in total yardage. Now Aaron Rodgers doesn't ask for much. He has Devontae Adams, and outside of that, he's really throwing to 5th and 6th round wide receivers and undrafted free agents. They finally got him a decent running back in Aaron Jones who can handle some of the workload, but the defense is still trashed like it's always been. So what does the Packers organization do? No, they don't draft a new linebacker. No, they don't get anyone to buffer the secondary. They don't even get him another option to pass to. They they drafted Jordan Love. Who's going to be his replacement? They drafted his replacement in the first round. How dare you? Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league easily and can still lead a team to a Super Bowl. Now, maybe pissing him off was the objective because Aaron Rodgers is already out to a phenomenal start to this season, and I really see that continuing. But man... If Aaron Rodgers decides that he just wants to tear the NFL up and then get the fuck out of Green Bay, they really are only going to have themselves to blame. Now, coming up, I'm going to give you my top five teams from the NFL this season. My top five teams in the NFL so far. At number five, I got the Green Bay Packers. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers has had a crazy start to this season. He's got Green Bay number one in points per game, yards per game, and time of possession. Which is great because their defense is hot trash. They're going to give up a lot of yards. They're going to give up a lot of points. But Aaron Rodgers is going to put up a lot of points. 
Remember, the Packers went to the NFC Championship last year and lost to the 49ers, who just lost Nick Bosa on defense. So that is a big help to all the teams in the NFC. I got the Packers at number five. At number four, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I know that's going to seem low to a lot of people, and I'm sure as the season progresses, they will get higher on this list. But so far through two games, I'm really not that impressed. I watched them carve up a weak Texan secondary that has no real star power. And on offense, Deshaun Watson's really throwing the nobody after losing D-Hop in this last offseason. And in game two, I watched a rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert and the Chargers take Kansas City to the brink in overtime. And without a couple 50-yarders from Harrison Bucker, they may be 1-1. One one. Now, Pat Mahomes is elite and has a lot of star power with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Edward Hilaire. I'm sure they'll pick it up as the season goes by. But so far this year, I see three ball clubs playing better football than them right now. At number three, I got the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are elite. Having the Cardinals top 10 in yards per game and time of possession. But what's even more impressive is their defense. The Cardinals are number two in points allowed with 17.5, only trailing the Ravens. And they're top 10 in yards allowed with 341 total yards allowed per game. Now, one of those games was against the Washington football team, and their offense isn't a threat in any way. But another one of those games was against last year's Super Bowl runner-ups and the San Francisco 49ers, beating them in Week 1, which was an impressive victory and a stepping stone for the Cardinals to become one of the NFC's elite. At number 2, I got the Los Angeles Rams. Now, a team that really disappointed last year has bounced back and looks ready to potentially make another Super Bowl push. They're top five in points allowed with 18, and they're top 10 in points scored per game, yards per game, and time of possession. Now, their two wins this season are against the Eagles and the Cowboys, and while the Eagles aren't a great ball club, the Cowboys do have a lot of talent on offense, and they were able to hold them to only 17 points. The Rams are dominant on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, and their quarterback looks like they're really going to keep their turnovers in check this season, and they're able to run it a bit more effectively than they were last season, not to mention the eliteness of their defense overall. At number two, the Los Angeles Rams. And at number one, the best team in the NFL so far through two weeks, the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are only allowing 11 points per game and 305 yards of total offense. That's crazy. They're really just locked down right now. They're really locked in. They're also averaging 35.5 points per game and is still top 10 in yards and time of possession. Lamar Jackson's coming off of an MVP season. He has the same speed and elusiveness he's had since coming into the league, but he looks like he's also taken some steps forward with his passing. Targeting open receivers on 64% of his passes is by far a career high for him. The Ravens are looking dominant on offense and defense and right now appear to have no real weaknesses. On Monday Night Football, they'll be taking on the Chiefs, so we're really going to have a chance to see what some of these teams are made of in these upcoming weeks. But for now, I got the Baltimore Ravens as the number one team in football. Thank you all for listening. Follow me on Spotify. 
Call, follow me on Instagram at CallMeBigZo. Link is in the bio. Let me know what y'all think, who y'all think are some of the best teams, some opinions y'all have after watching the first couple weeks. My name's Zoe. This is The Last Word, and I'm out.